This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. I first saw the story from the Associated Press, Southern Baptist oust Saddleback Church over woman pastor. It's about Rick Warren's famous Saddleback Church and the Southern Baptist Convention and the ordination of women. What about that term oust or removed? I've been seeing it in some of the subsequent coverage as well. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion, and he's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. I want to deal with those verbs first. When I saw the AP story yesterday, the verb that they were using was ousted, and then other media outlets have used the word expelled. Are those verbs accurate? Well, they're accurate from a secular perspective. The issue is whether you should expect journalists to use the words that Baptists use and then explain why Baptists use them. The Baptists would say that, once again, they're not a Presbyterian church. They're not a Lutheran church. They're not a Catholic church. They're not anything else. They would even deny they're a denomination. They would say they are a convention and that thus churches are a part of a fellowship that is the Southern Baptist Convention of autonomous churches that choose to fellowship together. So when the Baptists say, instead of expelled, they would say that they're breaking fellowship and that something has gotten in the way of these churches being able to cooperate with each other cooperative program is the name of the big national budget. Something has gotten in the way of cooperation and thus we are breaking fellowship. Now that doesn't go in a headline as well as kicking out. The other thing people need to understand is that Baptist polity has a regional level, an associational level. It has a state level and it has a national. It will be interesting to see if the Southern Baptist Association, in which Saddleback fellowships, if they take the same action, will the California State Convention take the same action? In other words, the National Convention now has said we're breaking fellowship, and oh, by the way, Saddleback gets to appeal. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. Rick Warren, you know, said online. He said something like, we'll do what we'll do, and it'll be through back channels. In other words, we'll try to figure out what's going on here. So there are a lot of different levels to this. It's important to realize that this is ultimately and sincerely a story about doctrine and Southern Baptist church polity, free church associational conventional polity. And that doesn't go in a headline as well, but that's what we've got here. The question is, are the Southern Baptists being fair in how they defend the edges of their church polity and their doctrine? Why will certain things get you kicked out and other things won't? And at that point, I mean, you know they didn't want to kick out one of the largest, most famous Southern Baptist congregations in America, 
one founded and until recently led by maybe the most prominent Southern Baptist in America after the death of Billy Graham. They didn't want to do it. So the question is, why did they do it? And what does that tell us about where Baptists are at this point? Did you see anything in the media coverage, and this goes to their polity, what actually changes now? What's different then for Saddleback and its satellite congregations? And what's different with them vis-a-vis? Is it only that they cannot send messengers to the National Convention? Well, then the flip side of that is the assumption is that Saddleback has, it's always been a very independent church. They didn't put Baptist in the name. But to what degree was Saddleback cooperating with funding efforts for foreign missions and associational and missions here in the United States and other Southern Baptist projects? I think that is what Warren is probably talking about when he says that behind the scenes, they'll now discuss the degree to which Saddleback continues to financially assist in certain types of Southern Baptist programs when it makes sense for it to continue to do so. We'll just have to see how that plays out. And like I said, we have to see what happens to the church at the other levels of Baptist life as well. Did the New coverage talk about the SBC history on women's ordination? It's a rather long and somewhat nuanced history. Well, I mean, I think the question is to what degree do you actually want to engage with debates about doctrine? Or do you want to just assume this is actually about something else? And most of the stories that have been written about this, I think it's important for listeners to realize, so far, all of the stories that I've seen about this action by the Southern Baptist Convention were all written by experienced professional religion beat reporters. You're not going to see the sort of glaring errors that you might see if this story was assigned to the political desk or something like that. Now, there are some things at the top of the New York Times piece that are worth discovering, and and it's not that long. We can work our way through it. I'll just read a, a little bit of it. The lead is the Southern Baptist Convention on Tuesday decided to expel one of its largest and most prominent churches, Saddleback Church in Southern California, over the church's installment of a woman as pastor. Now set that aside for a second, because a lot of this is going to come down to doctrinal issues of what it means to be a pastor. Moving on, the move is largely symbolic. Saddleback still operates as a church, and its members will not be overtly impacted. That's true. You could make a case that the Southern Baptist Convention might be impacted more by this decision than its decision to kind of stand its ground and take a stand. The convention could end up being affected adversely more than Saddleback Church. Then we get down to the heart of the matter from the New York Times. But the Southern Baptist leadership's ejection of such a high-profile Member Church underlines the denomination's internal struggles with gender, sexuality, abuse, politics, and race, including criticisms from an energetic right flank that the group is drifting to the woke left. The convention also removed several other churches over their placement of women in certain leadership roles, as well as a Florida church over its handling of a sex abuse case. Now, that's really interesting. I mean, the two words I would have included in that paragraph that aren't there is this is primarily an argument over doctrine 
and specifically how doctrine affects polity. And basically, you can state the question is, what do you have to do to get kicked out of the Southern Baptist Convention or for fellowship to be broken? Well, they've already demonstrated they will push you out for actions that they consider to be racist, openly racist. And they have also shown we will push churches out if they refuse at least the minimal levels of cooperation on sexual abuse and preventing accused predators from holding positions of leadership in Baptist churches. So that's what this issue is about. And those three issues are perfectly valid to discuss. Now, what this has to do with tensions in the denomination about politics and race and sexuality in general terms, well, I mean, all churches right now have been affected by tensions from the Donald Trump era. All churches have been affected by tensions over how freely association churches handle things like COVID and vaccines and whatever. But once again, this is about how the Southern Baptist Convention has established standards it will try to enforce on the ordination of women, racial discrimination and prejudice, and sexual abuse. Now, two of those things, the Southern Baptist Convention is doing things that I think the New York Times would quietly applaud, although they would say the denomination is not going far enough on issues of preventing sexual abuse. The Southern Baptist Convention would say we're doing all we can within our form of government. So what they're saying is, is the Southern Baptist Convention saying that ordaining women is as doctrinally offensive as racial prejudice or the sexual abuse of women and children? And the denomination is saying, on one level, yes, all of those subjects violate what we have decided are the borders of our doctrinal polity even though we're not a creedal church, we're not a church with a catechism, we do have a shared document called the Baptist Faith and Message, and we would like, we're going to insist that churches cooperate with us kind of in defending it. But like I said before, the key word here is what does it mean to be a pastor? And what did Saddleback do that crossed the line here? And Saddleback has been in the, uh, the news on this issue now for quite some time. But what really settled this for good was the arrival of the church's new leadership in which the senior pastor is Andy Wood, and his wife has been given the term teaching pastor. And she definitely has pulpit duties, and that's a high part of her profile. So when you hear the term teaching pastor as a Missouri Synod Lutheran, what's the doctrinal flag that you hear flying? Well, I hear a qualification on pastor that I would not, according to my church's teaching, re- recognize. There's no distinction between a teaching pastor and a head pastor. They're right. All, they're pastors. Well, I mean, but, but you hear that teaching definitely means exerting a form of leadership over the congregation as a whole. Obviously, if, if a woman, maybe in some of these other churches that have been disciplined by the SBC, 
you you know, in some of the smaller and more doctrinally, they would use the term moderate Southern Baptist congregations. In small ones, you have women serving as the only pastor or serving as senior pastor. And that raises all kinds of doctrinal issues about headship over a congregation that includes men and women and a type of authority that the Southern Baptist Convention has in recent decades decided it is not comfortable with. Now, before the Southern Baptist Civil War of the late 70s and early 80s, there were quite a few small, quote, moderate, unquote, Baptist churches that had ordained women. They had an association they met at all meetings of the Southern Baptist Convention. And they were a part of the old guard kind of left side of Baptist life that lost the Civil War. And so thus we've seen the convention get more and more conservative on issues of the ordination of women. Now, where the discussion with Saddleback has gotten more complex is Baptists, especially megachurches, especially big, huge, thriving megachurches, they use the term pastor in a variety of ways. And some of them don't, they would argue, involve headship over people. I mean, for example, a lot of ordained Baptist women serve as, say, hospital chaplains or children's ministers or maybe they're actual pastoral counselors who work with marriage counseling and other types of things. And there are a lot of people in the Southern Baptists that say that that's not the same thing as being the leader of the entire congregation or standing in a pulpit and preaching with authority to the entire congregation. So Saddleback had previously ordained several women, but it was in all of these secondary roles. And the convention, it appeared to me, was not ready to kick Saddleback out. And you say, well, why do Baptists want to use those terms? Well, let me give you an example. In ministries of counseling, frequently in some parts of the country, ministerial privilege, the ability to hear and counsel people, legally resembles the act of hearing confession. And it's protected by a lot of state laws that were based on the Catholic concept of hearing confession and being able to keep that information private and privileged. There are states in which people would say, if you're going to have a pastoral counselor and you really want them to be protected from being dragged into courtrooms and into lawsuits, you need to ordain them to make it clear that this communication with the people that they're helping is of a pastoral nature. So that's one motivation that some churches that have those kinds of specialized ministries might choose to ordain women in those roles as well as the men. But they are not, would not claim that those people are exerting leadership over the entire congregation. And they would also say it's not the same form of teaching authority that is represented by standing in a pulpit, opening a Bible, and saying thus, says the Lord. I also think in megachurches, you see people trying to extend ordination in situations where it might give clergy other benefits, either financial, tax-oriented 
or benefits from the convention or whatever. But once again, these are these kind of secondary pastoral roles. I haven't seen the SBC at this point. Maybe I've, I have missed something. I haven't seen them launch a kind of massive crackdown on women in those secondary roles where they've been ordained for highly specialized limited ministries. What happened with Saddleback was when Stacy Wood, the wife of the new senior pastor, the head pastor of the whole church, when she was given the title teaching pastor, and they openly stood up and said one of her primary forms of ministry will be preaching to the entire denomination. Not retreats, not women's retreats, not women's conventions or whatever. She's going to stand in the pulpit as one of the voices of this congregation and preach to everybody. That's when discussions of Saddleback got more strained. Terry, the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee got a lot of media coverage during the recent flap over their action or inaction in responding to the sexual abuse scandal. This is a decision that comes straight from that committee. Do you think that the media coverage adequately explained who they are and what their function is? Well, that really wasn't that big an issue in the New York Times story that we discussed. That was covered quite a bit at the Associated Press level, which is the story that most Americans will see. And then also, you had coverage of this issue by the lead religion reporter at the Nashville Tennessean, right there in downtown Nashville near the old Southern Baptist headquarters. And as you would expect, the Nashville Tennessean reporter has been all over this for a long time. And I thought did a fine job there of explaining the role the executive committee played, while at the same time stressing that there is an appeal policy. And you know ultimately, this will probably end up being discussed at this coming summer at the next national meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. The Religion News Service story was written by another veteran reporter who's been covering the Southern Baptist Convention for at least a quarter of a century. And so you expect pretty accurate material there, and you got it. I did think there was a, a very interesting quote in the Associated Press story that jumped on this whole issue of why has this kind of blown up. And it quotes the new senior pastor as saying, that the Bible, quote, teaches that men and women were given spiritual gifts by God. His wife has served as teaching pastor for Saddleback. Then this quote, the church should be a place where men and women can exercise those spiritual gifts, Wood said. My wife has the spiritual gift of teaching, and she's really good. People often tell me she's better than me when it comes to preaching, and I'm really glad to hear that. So this underlines what I said earlier that what finally, I believe, pushed the button on the Saddleback issue was this woman being given pulpit ministry to the congregation as a whole, speaking on the same level of authority as her husband as senior pastor. So I think that was the key. I mean, this you, know, you get into issues related to women who preach, say, in evangelistic contexts, Pentecostal churches for years have ordained women in that context, and then gradually Pentecostal churches, most of them, once again, free church polity in play, have ordained women to all kinds of roles, including frequently 
the ordination of the husband and the wife who are leading the church. Very common in charismatic and Pentecostal settings. It might have been good to have mentioned that. But what happened here with the Executive Baptist Convention, the Executive Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention, what happened there was very normal and fits the exact pattern that we've seen with, as the Associated Press noted, women pastors, LGBTQ inclusive policies in some churches, support for racism, interesting phrase, or failure to adequately respond to child sexual abuse, such as employing offenders as pastors or helping shield them, help hide them or whatever. So yeah, we had veteran religion reporters covering this story in most of these settings or all the ones I've seen so far. So yeah, I think anyone who knows anything about Baptist life would be able to figure out what's going on here. The executive committee acts first, and then ultimately this will probably go back to the national convention. With about a minute here, anything else in the New York Times story that stood out to you? Well, I think what they really need to try to prove here is whether there's some sort of disunity on this issue that could get attached to the word woke. Now, there are some people on the Baptist right who are pretty wild when it comes to their allegations about critical race theory and the role of black churches in the convention, et cetera, et cetera. But there's not a lot of disunity about that. Those people are loud and they're online and they have heroes on Twitter, et cetera. So you do see a lot of discussion of that. But I don't think you're going to see much dissent in the Southern Baptist Convention on whether or not the Baptist faith and message statement on women serving as pastors with leadership or headship authority over churches. I'm not expecting to see a lot of blowback on that. And I don't think most Baptists would think that has anything to do with whether or not you're woke on those issues. They're just simply thinking, this is in the Baptist faith and message. This is a matter of doctrine. And we're now going to attempt to enforce that, at least when it comes to the pulpit. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He is founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thank you for your time. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.